Welcome to Podland, the last word in podcasting news. It's Thursday, the 2nd of June, 2022. I'm James Cridland, the editor of podnews.net. And I'm Sam Sethi, the MD of River Radio, the podcast's first radio station. Hello, I'm Dave Jones, and I'll be on later to talk about the latest updates from the Podcast Index. He will. Podland is sponsored by Buzzsprout, podcast hosting made easy. Last week, 3,210 people started a podcast with Buzzsprout. You can too at buzzsprout.com. And exciting news coming next week about Buzzsprout. And we're also sponsored by Squadcast, the remote recording tool that your audience will love. Squadcast lets you create high-quality audio and video content just by using your browser. You can give it a try at squadcast.com. Now, Podland is where James and I review the latest news from the podcast industry and this week James you're back at home and so am I so uh, bon voyage back to you in the Australian outback how did you get there was it easy not really uh, Australian outback but uh, yes but uh, certainly Australia um, uh, yes it was just it was just a long flight uh, via Dubai um, but uh, yes I, I had the econo bed on the way back so I had uh, three seats uh, free uh, where I was, so I was able to lie down and take a bit of a rest on my 15-hour flight from Dubai. Wow. Okay. Well, this week we're going to talk about uh, Megaphone's outage, uh, Descript's new integrated workflows. But let's start off with that one. Megaphone, uh, they had an outage this week, James. It was down for nine hours. Uh, yeah. What happened to the Spotify-owned company? Yes. Well, yeah, down for nine hours because somebody forgot to renew a certificate uh, is apparently how the thing worked. So everything fell over at eight o'clock Eastern time on Monday, which, of course, was a holiday because that's the best time for things to go down, isn't it? <laughs> a holiday when nobody's actually working. So I sat and, uh, and put a tester on their feeds and everything came back at 5.39 in the morning the day after. So that was down for more than nine hours. That's a pretty big deal for Megaphone. I did do a little bit of working out. Um, I'm not sure that this is particularly fair. It's probably not particularly fair. But um, if you're down for uh, nine hours and you're the size of Megaphone, then that's probably somewhere around $580,000 that you have potentially lost, but you probably haven't lost really. But nevertheless, uh, you know, quite a lot of uh, money uh, lost and quite a lot of people who were not best pleased at Megaphone. It's not the first um, for uh, uh, Megaphone to have any uh, problems. They've been having quite a few over the last month. So it's a little bit of a concern, I think. Yeah, I wonder what... Do you think they're doing something like an upgrade or a new version or what might cause it? I mean, I, you know, I, I wonder whether some of it is just um, that uh, nobody really checked the, uh, the certificates timing. Um, it's one little thing and uh, it can take quite some time to uh, renew a, a certificate. So there is always that. But as for all of the other issues that the company has been having recently, yeah, I don't know quite what's going on there. Perhaps they are integrating with um, certain things and perhaps, you know, they are busy rewriting stuff. But, um, yeah, not quite sure what's going on. Well, they're not the first to uh, fall prey to the expired certificate, and I'm sure they won't be the last either. I think Microsoft fell over uh, not so long ago because of exactly one of those. Uh, which is a bit a bit embarrassing. I mean, having said that, Pod News was off for an hour uh, yesterday because I was busy up, upgrading the database cluster. I've got a database cluster mm. now. Ooh, look at me with my database cluster. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, so we all fall offline for a little bit, but I think nine hours without really any communication wasn't a particularly good mm. thing. Now, 
staying in the Spotify camp. Uh, Spotify is conducting research within its app are about new features. The company appears to be testing the ability to pay to promote your show, which is nice, I suppose, as well as automatically place ads in the shows to earn revenue. Is this beyond what they were doing last week with uh, the whiskey branding? <laughs> well, I mean, I think that they're just busy testing things and seeing what they can, um, you know, what what people might be interested in. Um, they've got a bunch of questions. It's always good to have a look at these sorts of surveys because you always get some form of idea of what they're planning on doing. Um, they're using, they're doing user roles and permissions, for example. So if you are part of a big team, you'll be able potentially to um, allow your editors into the system, but they won't be able to, you know, mess everything up if if you don't want them to. Um, you know, paid uh, advertising within the Spotify app so that you can promote your show, all kinds of stuff. So it was quite an interesting, um, you know, piece of work that they were doing. So um, it'll be uh, quite fascinating to see what they end up doing. Mm. Well, we often have a go at Spotify, but, you know, we do like the things they do as well. Um, and one of the things they're doing is they've issued a $100,000 grant for African podcasters, which is a great thing to do. Thank you, Spotify. Yes, and, and it's a good thing that Spotify does this. They've um, always invested in the creator side of it as well. And it's something that, um, you know, frankly, Apple don't do and Spotify do. And uh, Spotify is a pretty good company at, uh, at investing uh, on their Sounds Up programs around the world and on this thing as well. So good to end up seeing that. And also interesting to spot that uh, they have a new thing if you are running a company and you want to convince people to start joining your company, uh, along with, uh, you know, decent food in the company cafeteria and maybe, you know, uh, health insurance and all that kind of stuff. You can also now offer Spotify Premium uh, with a new service called Spotify for Work, which allows any employer to offer Spotify Premium as an employee perk. Uh, I may look at that, but there again, it's just me, so I can just pay for Spotify, <laughs> Spotify for work myself if I really wanted to. So, so some, someone explained this to me. It's fourteen ninety nine a month, so you know, a couple hundred dollars or pounds a year. Um, hmm. I don't think that's a, a job. Uh, namer or breaker is it oh i don't know i mean i think um you know there there are certain of these uh, employee uh, programs that have a number of exciting things in them uh, i always used to when i was working for the bbc you would get um five percent off all new apple hardware so that was all very nice just by flashing mm. your id badge um and there are other various things such as that and i think it's just a nice thing for a company to organize i think at virgin radio we had um something uh, that was Virgin branded. And basically, we got lots of uh, benefits from other Virgin companies. So um, I think, you know, a small amount of Virgin trains and various other things. So uh, yeah, you know, it's probably not a bad thing. Next week, uh, we will be talking about the new Buzzsprout ads that's going to be launching. Yeah, so if you've been uh, hearing some of the, uh, the, there are some ads that suddenly appear in this podcast uh, promoting other shows, uh, and that is something that Buzzsprout uh, has been playing around with. It launches next week. We will have a full interview with someone from Buzzsprout 
uh, and we'll learn more about how the system works and how you can earn money from your podcasting. We have already earned money from this podcast, uh, which is nice, albeit not a, a, a huge amount yet. Um, but we'll find out more about that next week. Now, James, I think we talked about it a couple of weeks ago, uh, a new website uh, for micropayments solutions called GetAlby. Uh, and we both uh, went there, thanks to Adam Curry. Uh, I got Sam at GetAlby.com and you've got James at GetAlby.com. Um, yes, very good. So have you uh, tried to use it as your digital wallet or your form of micropayment yet? No, I've not used it particularly much yet. Um, but I noticed that Podverse now works with it, which is uh, nice. And there are various other tools that will begin to work with it as well. It's basically, it's a... Um, it's a browser extension which uh, enables lightning payments and crypto on a variety of different websites. Um, and that works, you know, quite well. And you can certainly see that just making life slightly easier rather than having to scan, you know, complicated looking QR codes. Well, I've struggled, and I'll be honest to say I've struggled with getting micropayments working. But I went and to get Albi. I got my uh, digital wallet with them, or I could have used Blue Wallet or another one. Um, I use added the plugin for Chrome. I then went to Twitter and I changed our Twitter bio to include the Lightning symbol followed by our email accounts uh, for Albi. And hey, presto, you can now go to our Twitter account and you can actually pay us if you want in sats uh, because it detects the fact that our uh, lightning addresses are on the page. But equally, as you said, I went to Podverse and it, it detects that I've got the plugin and it enabled me to then simply send uh, the Podfather and Dave some sats. And then I went to a few other sites as well. Um, and it works. It's just so, so simple. Um, so it's the first solution for me that's worked, allowing me to create uh, a digital wallet with sats in it and to visit a number of sites uh, and just pay. Yeah, no, it's a pretty good system for making life uh, a little bit simpler. Um, it, it's not the sort of uh, extension that I want to keep on because, of course, it's looking at every single web page that you're having a look at. And so, therefore, I'm not entirely convinced what it's sending back to um, the the mothership, uh, so so to speak. But certainly, you know, it's 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 an interesting tool uh, and worthwhile having a look at. Yeah, well, I thought you know who better to help us understand all about micropayments and what is GetAlby? What's the Lightning Network? What is WebLN? Uh, and what's coming next with Podcasting 2.0? So I thought I'd just have a chat with Dave Jones. There was a land rush for uh, getalby.com uh, lightning addresses and uh, half the people that got them had no idea what they were even getting like i got it i got it and uh, yeah okay now what do we do now what do we do with it it's like the twitter handle of the day yeah um, exactly you just go get it first and then you figure out what to do with it exactly now let's take a step back before we get into albi and lightning networks and stuff obviously you've been working for the last couple of years on extending rss with the rss 2.0 podcast extension which has been amazing so for those of you who haven't seen any of this stuff, head over to podcastindex.org. Go and have a look at the GitHub, the namespace, and just get yourself involved in it all. There's loads of apps that are doing it already. 
But Dave, I want to move forward to some of the newer stuff. For about the last three to six months, you've been working on uh, a concept called value for value, and that's now coming to life. So let's step back. What is value for value first before we talk about lightning networks and payment systems? I end up describing it different every time I talk about it, but let me try to be consistent here. Value for value is just the concept that you're going to give your content away. So you're giving away value to the listener uh, or viewer, however you want to say it. And then that listener or viewer is going to give value back to you in some form. Now, it doesn't have to be strictly monetary. So a good example of that is on our show, the Podcasting 2.0 show. Every week, people do all kinds of things. They Sometimes they donate uh, money through either PayPal or uh, boosting Satoshis through the Lightning Network, or sometimes they uh, send code. We've got one guy, I'll use an example, uh, Stephen Crater. He uh, does all of our documentation. So anytime I come up with a new endpoint for the API, he goes and documents it and, and writes it all out. And like that's his value contribution to the show and to the project is by taking that workload off me. So that's the gen- general concept of value for value is that it's not like a subscription where uh, you say, okay, you give me your money up front and then I'll give you my content. It, it flips it around, uh, sort of a play-to-pay system where you say, okay, I'm going to give you my content. And I feel so confident in the quality of this content, whether it's a, a podcast or the API or whatever we do, and that I think that you're going to see the value and you're going to give me back what you think it's worth to you. So that's the concept, yeah. Okay, and I, and I do love that concept. Now, one of the ways of doing that we've talked about is Bitcoin or the micropayment system of Bitcoin known as Satoshis. Yeah. Um, why did you pick SATs as your payment mechanism? Because I know when we spoke previously, there was multiple paths. You could have gone down the path of ETH. You could have gone down other micropayment systems. What led you to choose SATs and Bitcoin? You know, it's a lot of different things. I think from mine and Adam's standpoint, Bitcoin is the thing that most reflects a monetary system. So, you know, 20 years in the future, I could easily see Bitcoin becoming either at least an alternative monetary set. I mean, it's already been adopted as legal tender in El Salvador. So, I mean, the process of this thing becoming a a recognized monetary instrument is already well underway. And so, from that standpoint, it made the most sense to start there. There's a second idea there, which is that the developers behind Bitcoin are hyper-focused on it being money. So, a lot of the broader crypto currency sphere, things like Ethereum and Hive and these kinds of things, they they have a, a sort of an alternative purpose or, or the developers are really focused on the utility of that blockchain or maybe DeFi. Their focus is in a lot of other places besides the monetary aspect. But really what you see within the Bitcoin world is this sort of hyper, almost at times singular focus on being the best money. And when you're thinking about micro payments and in, in a technology that that you want to use as money it it just stands out and it stands alone right now yeah mark andreessen when it was netscape often said his biggest regret at netscape was never creating a micropayment system within the browser if we had we wouldn't have so many likes and follows and hearts and 
thumbs up, we would have had actually a micropayment system earlier, which I think the one that we're talking about now, Satoshi's or Sats, I think will start to replace. You know, it's great having five likes, but you know, it's better to have fifty thousand satoshis <laughs> it's a, that old that you know that old oatmeal comic about uh, you can't pay your rent with exposure in that regard uh, the regret of not baking a micropayment system in from the beginning you see it with what we were talking about earlier albi this web extension uses underneath the covers it uses a thing called WebLN, which is a set of protocols for how to interact with lightning through the web if you look through the documentation of WebLN and start looking at the underlying components as well as lightning addresses and LNURL, I could easily see them becoming web standards and being baked directly into the browser. I mean, they have every bit as much utility as something like the Web Audio API or the File Upload API. They have real utility. We already see these things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I could see in a few years if lightning... continues to mature and that sort of thing. I I can see these things being baked in directly to the browser. And there's your micropayment architecture. So let's step back for those who don't know, because you and I have an inkling of it and you have a deep knowledge. But Lightning Network, what Mm -hmm. is it and why does it exist? Uh, It sits on top of Bitcoin, but why is it there? Yeah, Uh, so it exists as a layer two on top of the Bitcoin core protocol. And The Bitcoin blockchain by itself, like a lot of blockchains, not all, uh, but like a lot of blockchains, is slow and has a defined block size. That means you can only fit a certain number of transactions in each block. And so the blocks produce every 10 minutes roughly on a schedule. And you can only, let's just say, have on average 2,000 transactions per block. That doesn't scale. And so these layer two solutions there are more out there than just Lightning, but Lightning is uh, the one that has the, the biggest consumer focus and broad adoption for regular users. Lightning takes things off the blockchain temporarily. Uh, they're still all Bitcoin, valid Bitcoin transactions, but it sets up these channels is what they're called. So me and you can have a channel with each other where we both stake a certain amount of currency and uh, let's just say $100 between me and you. And we can just exchange transactions all day long as a hundred times a, a minute. And then those transactions, they're keeping a ledger. And when we finally settle up and close our channel together, that ledger gets written as one single transaction to the blockchain. So it makes uh, the Bitcoin blockchain usable at high speed and high scale this and because it's decentralized everybody can run their own lightning node it ends up scaling immensely like you, you can theoretically go you know th- you know th- a million transactions a second so that's why it exists and what problem it solves and it's still young it's still very young nobody's going to deny that there's bugs and there's issues to be worked out but for the most part it works pretty well so now the next thing I want to talk about is digital wallets. So mm. Oscar Mary, the founder and CEO of Fountain and the guys at Podverse uh, and several other platforms have been even doing a great job of enabling people to use their apps to make micro payments. I know that you get a lot of booster grams. These that's the name that's been given to comments with payments micro payments i know on podland we get them as well so thank you to people who send those in yeah but uh, a few months back to use oscar's fountain app and i'd like to think i'm fairly technical 
but I came unstuck with getting a fiat currency exchanged into a wallet so that I can convert that to micropayments to make payments. Because mm-hmm. I went into the Fountain app and then it comes up and says, oh, here's your invoice and click on this QR code. And I'm like, how do I click on the QR code? <laughs> yeah. I'm holding the phone that's got the QR reader on it. Yeah. And I'm going, well, do I need a second phone to click on the QR code? And so I was totally yeah, that's when you call your kids and t- ask them to come explain you know, how to use it all to you. That's our typical yeah. dad fallback. So how do you set up a digital wallet? What's the best way? It depends. It's very location specific these days. And it goes back to the sort of immaturity of the market as it stands right now. If you're in London, there's one answer to that question. If you're in New Jersey, there's one answer to that question that's different than in New York. A lot of it is financial regulation and some of it is confusion about financial regulation. So when we first started doing this stuff, we were trying to figure all this out. Like, how do, how do people even get sats into a wallet? What is this all about? And so uh, a lot of people end up using Strike, and the, but that's U.S. only, except for New York. It doesn't work there. And so then Cash App came along and made it even easier. That's uh, Jack Dorsey's app. Jack, yeah. That's right. Yeah, and he's all on board with Lightning. So I think as a... As a U.S. user, that's all I can speak to now. I think outside of the U.S., a lot of people use Blue Wallet. Within the U.S., you have Strike and Cash App, both good options. Those are pretty simple to get in, and you're automatically in the Lightning world with any of those apps because it's available to you. Talking of uh, Jack Dorsey and Twitter, if anyone goes to your Twitter handle, which is Podcast Index, you've got a dollar sign against your podcast uh, Twitter handle. When you click on that, most people aren't aware it opens up a lovely little pop-up that says do you want to pay in sats or bitcoin and then when you click on the wallet it takes you to cash app so jack before he left created this whole digital wallet to payment system inside of twitter but so far no one's really aware of it i think the only thing people are at twitter are talking about is whether elon's going to be their boss next week i think everything else got sh- got shoved under the table uh, a few weeks ago yeah lightning feels a lot like podcasting did you know at the beginning it, it, they're in a very similar state if you go back to the way podcasting used to be like try to describe how to do a podcast to somebody in 2006 and you say okay okay first thing you need Go get a USB audio interface. And they're like, what is that? Okay, solve that problem. Now convert your audio to MP3. What's an MP3? Now you got to upload it to a web server. I mean, it's just every step is pain. But we got solutions to those things. And, and part of the solution, I think, or I know, was the emergence of hosting platforms. And so you had platforms like Buzzsprout, RSS.com, Blueberry, these early hosting pioneers, Libsyn, these early hosting pioneers that came on, that came out and they made the process easier to onboard. And I think a similar thing is happening with Lightning. And I think we're going to see that dramatically within the next six to 12 months is now that the industry sees that there is uh, money to be made and that this thing is stable enough to work. Now there's money that flows into the creation and the stability of the businesses that are going to support it. And that's going to be the lightning service provider infrastructure. And so these lightning service providers will be the equivalent of what hosting platforms were with RSS, where with uh, podcasts, where they can host 
wallets and have large channels on the backside, but you keep your keys. So you're still the custodian of your own wallet in the financial sense, but they're going to host the infrastructure. And that process greatly simplifies all of these things because things like channel management and all this stuff, that's where people just get completely bogged down within trying to get on board with Lightning. But that is a thing that is already happening. We know people that are building that infrastructure out right now. So I think I really think within 12 months at the outset, I think the Lightning landscape is going to look a lot different and it's going to be a whole lot easier. I really, I truly believe that from what we see. Okay. One of the things that you and Adam have been talking about on your podcast recently is something called Albi or getalbi.com. Hmm. What is Albi? We've mentioned it a couple of times here, so let's define what is Albi and how does it help? Uh, yeah, I guess the reason it was exciting is Al- Albi is a Chrome extension uh, for your browser, and it just walks you through. And it was a very nice thing to see emerge out of this thing I mentioned earlier called WebLN which is a web standard around the Lightning Network to help your web browser interact with a Lightning node. And so the way this thing works is it's like, uh, okay, install the extension, get yourself on a Lightning address, and uh, get Albi, John Doe at getalby.com. And then now tell us where your Lightning wallet is, and we'll hook that up. And now tell us, you can start putting your Lightning address all over the Internet. You can put it in your Twitter bio. You put a little, uh, like a little Lightning symbol emoji followed by your shiny new Dave at getalby.com address. And if the extension ever sees that on a web page, it'll pop up and say, hey, you want to donate some some sats to this outfit? And so that process is, is really simple. And I think it was the first uh, time that we've seen a really highly simplified version of how to do this in a way that doesn't require people to have a lot of node knowledge and a lot of uh, sort of nitty-gritty deep in the weeds knowledge yeah it's exciting so from a user perspective go there get your wallet hook it all up and then mm. go to to apps or websites that support albi or the lightning network and you mm. can start to participate much much yeah. quicker and simpler yeah it's that whole idea of looking for a thing on a page as a signal uh it turns your browser into a, a way to interact with this page monetarily it's that whole micropayment thing we we're talking about that web ln thing that it's all built on i think that'll be the thing that eventually becomes the standard because so it's simple do you see podcast app developers including the plugin in native code so that you don't even have to have it plugged in I think it'll have to be to a certain extent because the one here that always throws a wrench into the works is Apple and iOS. The iOS platform has always been difficult from extending the browser standpoint. Mm -hmm. So a browser extension is really not going to work in that landscape. And getting PWAs to work properly on the iOS is a real challenge. We've had some of the podcasting 2.0 developers, specifically Martin at Podfriend, uh, he gave so much effort to trying to get Podfriend as a usable PWA, and it works everywhere well except iOS. And it's because they don't have very good support for PWA protocols. But right. yeah, so that I think having these libraries that you could like natively put in is probably the only way that's going to work. Okay, let's move that on. So that's micropayments, value for value, and SATs. Another thing that you are often talking about is something called. Podping. Now, you mentioned it earlier, Hive. And 
Over Christmas, I thought, look, I really need to get my head round this Web3, the crypto world. <laughs> did you? Because uh, you can explain it to me. if you. I, I, I did, I think, I mean, in my simplistic way. So I look at blockchain as the protocol. And I look at Bitcoin as a monetary app. I look at ETH as a digital app with NFTs and that whole space. And I look at Hive as a messaging app sitting mm. on the blockchain. Right? These are just apps, just in the same way today we've got facebook twitter and whatever that sit on top of http right i mean right. nothing and on i on tcp ip so i just see blockchain as, a, as an underlying protocol that apps sit on and there'll be many other apps that come out that use the blockchain protocol to do whatever they do so hive is one of them so they're not really competing with each other they're providing functionality using the blockchain as an app in a different space so mm. Hive is one that we've been hearing about, you've talked about, that has created something called Podping. Yeah. So I guess, what is Podping? <laughs> yeah, but Podping, it, it does. It sits on top of the Hive blockchain. And I think your understanding of sort of the underlying nature of these things is pretty spot on. A blockchain is just, for the developers out there, is just a, it's really just a linked list, a cryptographically secure linked list that is public. And you can think of it in those terms, and you're going to get pretty close. Hive, uh, yeah, you're right, different blockchains, purposes and things they're good at. Hive is a fast blockchain. It is every three seconds it produces a new block. And so that is wonderful for something like Podping. What we're trying to do with it is to create a global uh, message bus. And I'm going to steal Alex Gates, one of our developers. I'm going to steal his terminology here a globally distributed message bus for podcasting, being able to signal from podcast publishers or platforms to apps when things happen within podcasting. And podcasting has always been, it's never been one thing. It's always been this collection of protocols. And uh, Podping is the thing that is just another one on the stack and hopefully it will glue a lot of this stuff together. So what it does is in a simplistic way, the way it started was a hosting platform. Let's just say Buzzsprout since they're your sponsor. Buzzsprout sends a pod ping notification every time a feed publishes a new episode or changes in any significant way. Anybody in the world can, with a couple of lines of code, watch the blockchain. It's not, it doesn't cost anything. They can watch the pod pings come in. Uh, podping.watch is a good website and you're just watching a stream of incoming uh, notifications so in that way I can know immediately that a feed has published a new episode and I say immediately that's within about 60 seconds for it to travel all the way through the whole pipeline that was the way it began and anybody can sign up and send those podpings where it's at now is we're sort of taking the next step it's the first broadening of what podping can do and Alex and Brian of London, uh, a few months ago, put in this idea of reason codes. And so now you can say you can broadcast a, a feed, a podcast feed URL to Podping. And you can also put in there the reason why you're doing it. So if there is no reason code, that just means the feed changed and you need to go poll it. If there is a reason, the reason could be that this feed just went live. So that means they now are broadcasting, uh, this podcast is broadcasting a live episode. And so if that that being the case, now we have two apps, a CurioCaster and Podverse, 
that support live notifications. So when they see the live pod ping come through, they go check the feed. And when they see this new, a new podcast uh, namespace element called live item, if they see that in there, they'll send a push notification to their users devices saying, Hey, uh, podcasting 2.0 just went live or Podland just went live and you can tap it and just go listen right there live. So Podping started as just a simple feed change notification system with the intent and now being realized that it eventually is going to become a global messaging system for things that are happening within podcasting. <laughs> I, I love that. And I've got multiple questions, but one of the things going through my head when you're saying that was I was in Netscape when RSS was invented and then <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, and then JavaScript and both. Were yeah. There then? Yeah. Okay. And lots of the HTML as well. And it, what made me laugh about what you were saying was RSS was designed to be a data transport layer or using XML. And then Adam came along to see Dave and then said, can we use it to put an enclosure and send an MP3 around? And that's how podcasting came. And here we are. We're now extending that even further. We're going to put a messaging bus into RSS as well. And we're going to do other things. And now we've got reason codes on top of the Podping messaging bus. All the things. Just keep piling everything on it. Just keep going. Yeah. It, It just made me laugh because the reason code is saying, what is it that you're notifying me of? so that I can go and get the enclosure from this originally fully now encapsulated RSS file. And that's what was missing, is the notion of why a feed changed. Yeah. Now, you talk about these reason codes, uh, and you and I were talking offline just before we came on. Is there any way that you could have other notifications in there? For example, someone's left a comment or, I don't know, someone's made a clip or a soundbite. Other ways that people can use the Podping global messaging system mm. to make notifications? Yeah, I hope so. And we're some of the stuff that you were talking about earlier before the show, we're um, definitely we're going to hash that out and try to see if we can figure out how to do it. The things that we had originally envisioned were more infrastructure related. So that would be things like, uh, hey, this feed just moved from this host to this host. It's a thing people do. They do it all the time. We run a podcast directory and we see it. We see it. there's feeds bouncing around from this month, this guy's on Blueberry. The next month, uh, she's on uh, Buzzsprout. The next month, she's on RSS.com. It's like they bounce around all over the place. So one thing that we thought was, you know, for instance, Transistor picks up a new podcast from Acast, then they may want to send out the message through Podping globally that says, hey, this feed has now changed URLs. It's over here. That has not come to fruition yet because there's clearly a lot of gamification and security that has to go around how to make that uh, trustworthy. So, But those are the sort of more infrastructure-related things we envisioned. But then you brought up this idea of more end-user-related activities mm-hmm. and i definitely see that yeah being a possibility we got to bake it into the protocol in a way that makes sense so once you have this thing you have this ability to signal to the world that a thing has happened instead of waiting on the world to get around to going and figuring it out themselves you the mind just runs wild with all the different possibilities you can do Dave Jones from the Podcast Index, and there is more from that interview a little bit later on at the end of the show. If you want to take a peek uh, at that, uh, because we use uh, chapters, you can skip right there if you want to, or you can keep on listening to a little bit more 
of us. Now, something that came up from Ashley Carmen this week. Um, uh, I've called her the Scoop Queen. I don't know if that's a title she even wants yet. Um, there you go, Ashley. Take it if you want it. Um, she said that she's detected that there's a number of podcasts within Spotify that are simply white noise. Uh, but yet they're earning $18,000 a month through ads. Yes, it's a very strange uh, story, and thank you for um, pointing it out uh, to me, because it's a story that uh, I missed unaccountably. Um, so uh, I'm not quite sure how I've done that uh, quite yet. But yeah, um, you know, I, I think it's it's interesting seeing uh, Spotify's anchor hosting to basically um, allow you to upload anything, including white noise uh, and including, you know, the sound of, you know, a dishwasher going round and round and round, which is something that, you know, some people will enjoy falling to sleep to. Um, or indeed, you know, an 18-hour long-haul flight with some... Um, children in the background screaming and the dull the dull thud of the chemical toilet being flushed every every 45 minutes um so uh, noise cancelling <laughs> headphones james it's the future yes. oh don't you worry don't you worry i wear those um and the bose ones the batteries last for an awfully long time i'll tell you but anyway um so yeah so i think uh, you know it, it, it's interesting seeing that there are uh, some people who have worked out how to earn money out of those um if there aren't any ads in the actual podcast i'm a little bit confused as to how people are making so much money i mean ashley was talking about one person earning eighteen thousand dollars a month uh, through their ads, which is, uh, you know, really quite a thing. It, is it because uh, Spotify now have injected ads that they can place into it? So is it just a case of I'm going to put my podcast up and then use the anchor advertising function where they can put ads around my podcast uh, and it's just getting traction uh, and earning money that way? They're pre-roll ads, according to the article. So you can understand that as you press the play button, there's somebody selling you a mattress or, a, you know, or, or, or whatever it is. Uh, and then you just hear the sound of the, you know, of the, um, of the, uh, you know, v vacuum cleaner going or whatever it is. But, you know, I, I think it does, it does show that uh, different audio and different sounds work for different people. And, uh, you know, it's really interesting, you know, to hear from some people who are, you know, basically sticking up podcasts of white noise up there and getting 50,000 listens per day. I suppose it's better than the porncast that they were putting up last week. <laughs> Quite possibly. Quite possibly. But yes, some um, really interesting uh, work from uh, Ashley, friend of the show, uh, on uh, on uh, Bloomberg. So yeah, interesting to watch. Now, Descript, which is a product I quite like, uh, has done a really interesting thing. They launched it yesterday. Uh, Descript now supports new workflows. Basically, it will let you jump to the editing point in Descript with one click from some of our friends, uh, Riverside, Squadcast, uh, Restream, and Captivate. So if you use any of those platforms and you use Descript, you can now record and then with one click, jump into the editing, which just saves a little bit of time, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, being able to press one button from Descript and um, and automatically, uh, you know, upload your podcast onto Captivate is a really nice idea. Um, I should say that I use uh, Hindenburg Journalist Pro to edit this podcast um, most weeks, and Hindenburg Journalist Pro has exactly that function in it. So there's a way that you can publish directly from Hindenburg Journalist 
Um, I shouldn't call it Hindenburg Journalist Pro, should I? It's Hindenburg Pro these days. But anyway, there's a button that you can press that up, that, that uploads it directly to Buzzsprout or to a variety of other um, po- podcast hosts as well, uh, which is a really good little system. Um, and it just av- avoids you having to save a file and then go to a web page and upload it. So um, the more of these workflows, I think, uh, the, the, the better from uh, my point of view. Yeah. Descript allows you, once you've recorded and edited it, um, to actually do one-click publishing as well. So, I mean, look, anything that saves a few minutes of time has got to be better than nothing. Uh, Talking of uh, platforms that allow you to uh, take your audio and basically transcribe it, um, Headliner has got into the game of audio translation um, and transcription. Uh, Edit Eddie, which has been in beta for a while, uh, was launched on Product Hunt yesterday. Uh, the service makes audio editing simple. You upload your spoken word audio, get a transcript, and then you edit your uh, audio using Edit Eddie. And I think it's still free at the moment, James. It is, yes, it's still free. It's in uh, beta, I think, at the moment. They launched it on Product Hunt on June the 1st, uh, yesterday. And uh, it's a pretty good uh, service. So um, today I'm linking to a video demo of uh, how the thing works. So it's Descript Lite at the moment. It's nowhere near as feature uh, inclusive as Descript is. But nevertheless, it's got um, much of the same sort of idea behind it. Uh, and uh, a very cool system if you don't much like editing or, you know, maybe for a rough um, first pass of going and having a listen to an an interview and uh, learning, you know, and um, maybe moving a couple of questions around and stuff like that. It's perfect for that sort of thing. Uh, So well worth having a look at. Mm. Now some quick news. Um, T.I. How do you say that, James? I, I don't know. Tia, uh, I think. It's Tia. a social okay. networking platform. Apparently, more than 20 million downloads. Uh, it's made by uh, our friends at Lijou in China, and um, it's uh, particularly successful in the US, I understand. Anyway, that has integrated Spotify functions, which uh, basically allows friends to share their favourite music and their favourite podcasts as well. So quite interesting seeing a social networking platform basically working on a way where you can listen to the Joe Rogan podcast at the same time as your friends uh, and both um, uh, comment on it as you go. Yeah. Chris Messina, a friend of the show who was on many weeks ago now, uh, when we were talking about Spotify, um, I spoke to him about the fact that in current Spotify, you can put your integration with Facebook and I can see my friends in their social graph what music they're listening to and I asked him whether they would extend that to allow me to see what podcasts they were listening to Um, well he popped up yesterday and said that Spotify has a new community hub in testing um, and it'll be where you can see your what your friends are listening to what playlists they've recently updated. So um, it sounds very similar to what Tia are doing, really, trying to make podcasting and music sharing social. Yeah, it sounds really good. The only caution that I would give is um, what music you listen to doesn't really tell people too much about you. But if you're listening to Help, I've Got Cancer, What Should I Do? Uh, as a podcast um, and you're sharing that then inadvertently you're telling everybody that you've got cancer that's probably not a a fantastic plan so I'm sure that Spotify has uh, plans there to work out how to keep certain things secret Um, but uh, you know interesting to uh, watch it would be great if that was an open thing you know using um, something like um, 
activity pub uh, so that you could actually use it not just on uh, Spotify. Um, but, uh, you know, that's not clearly in Spotify's DNA, but that would, that would be interesting to, uh, to have a look at. So Spotify working on that. Uh, inflation, energy prices are all the, the rage at the moment. Um, I have just been told by my energy company here in Brisbane to get off. Get off. We're going to ch- charge you far too much. Get off. Go and find somebody else, which is the strangest thing ever. But anyway, I've, I, I've agreed and I'm off them now. Um, but um, uh, what with all of that going on, you would think that advertising rates are going down. But oh, they're not really. Uh, Advertisecast reported that May's average cost per thousand rate was $23.60. 77, which is down less than a percent from $23.94 in April. Um, so it's good to see that uh, podcasting's uh, ad revenue uh, isn't necessarily at the moment being uh, impacted uh, by any of the uh, economy worries. Mm. Talking of economies, uh, the UK newspaper, The Economist, says it's reaching 3 million people a month through its podcasts. That's quite a good number, I would have thought. Yes. I think it's a suspiciously good number. I'm not entirely convinced. Ah. Not entirely convinced that they really are reaching three million people a month. That seems an awful lot of people for uh, a few a few podcasts, which are nowhere in any of the charts that I've seen. But you know, we'll 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 see. Maybe I'm just being a little bit a little bit grumpy. There is a piece coming up uh, in Sounds Profitable in the next couple of weeks, which is uh, looking at audience counts and stuff like that and looking at whether or not uh, the information that we have from uh, some of the podcast analytics uh, companies out there are actually giving you the right sort of data so worthwhile keeping your eyes peeled on that sounds profitable.com if you're not already subscribed acast has finally launched their conversational targeting for podcast advertising uh, we've talked about it in previous shows it allows auto advertisers to target episodes that are talking about new cars rather than just podcasts that talk about new cars so they're looking at the conversation more than they are the title i guess yeah um and uh, with that comes um transcripts for virtually everything uh, as well so it'll be interesting to see if they are going to put those transcripts into the rss tag so that all of their shows have automated transcripts or not that may or may not be a thing Um, But uh, interesting to see them doing that. That, of course, is um, because it's being driven by the lack of um, cookies and stuff. Um, uh, Cookies are going away, as we know, and also potentially being driven by GDPR, because this is all of a sudden targeting that isn't based on the person that's listening to these shows. It's based on the conversations that are going on within these uh, shows. So that's uh, interesting to have a look at. Um, They're also uh, growing quite a lot as well. They've uh, just launched in Singapore. Timmy Sitango is their key account director in uh, Singapore. Uh, The company has been in Australia and New Zealand since about 2017 or so. Um, so they've been doing, uh, you know, uh, pretty well in terms of uh, growth uh, as well. So it's worthwhile keeping an eye on Acast, I think. Hmm. Uh, back to the UK. Um, audio revenue is up 500% in a year, says Digital Publishers Revenue Index. The 12 traditional publishers in the report claim 
4.2 million pounds or 5.3 million US dollars were earned in the first quarter. That sounds very impressive, James. It does sound very impressive. Yeah, I think these are people like, you know, The Times and uh, Dennis Publishing and The Economist, uh, you know, the, the big traditional publishers who all of a sudden, I think, are taking audio seriously and because of that they're seeing a tremendous increase in uh, revenue i doubt that that's being seen by the rest of the market Um, but good to see that in the digital publishers revenue index whatever that is Um, iHeartMedia and Bloomberg Media have announced an upcoming slate of new shows. Uh, They're producing a daily podcast about crypto called Bloomberg Crypto. It'd be interesting to find out, wouldn't it, if Bloomberg Crypto is actually crypto-enabled with uh, value for value. What do you think? Do you think it will be? Or not? It isn't. No, No, it absolutely isn't. Uh, But there we are. But um, uh, interesting, uh, it's being led by crypto expert Stacey Marie Ishmael uh, and is a uh, daily uh, show which is um, all about Bitcoin, NFTs and uh, all that kind of stuff. Hmm. Uh, Eat your own dog food, I would say. Yes. Now. No, indeed. Now, you have a beautiful, beautiful piece of equipment uh, in your studio, <laughs> I have a do you brick. not? But is it, is it actually useful? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got very excited. I, I somehow managed to buy a Rodecaster Pro 2 last week, mm-hmm. and I thought, wow, it's not even out yet. That's amazing. And while I was at the London podcast show with you, it got delivered to the house. I was like, hmm, when I go home, I'm going to play and I'm going to set this up and it's going to be amazing. Got it all out, took it down to my studio, unplugged the old one thinking, pa, you're the past. Plugged it all in, uploaded the uh, firmware, only to find a lovely message from Rode saying, "Uh uh-uh, the operating system won't kick in until we officially launch, which is somewhere around the 12th of June. So um, it's a brick at the moment, but it's a beautiful brick. So you own a thing that you can't use. Genius. Uh, I own many (laughs) things I can't use for some strange reason. (laughs) (laughs) Why why are you so excited about this new Rodecaster Pro 2 then? I think uh, from all the videos I've seen of people who actually have got access to using it, um, it, it's certainly the preamps on it are much better. There's more gain on it. Um, It's totally customizable in terms of the sliders. So you can, you know, choose to only have three sliders that are mics Mm -hmm. and put the other two sliders as Bluetooth or you can have them. But for me, um, where I use it in the radio station, um, it's got two USB-C ports on the back, which means I can now split out um, two laptops. So we can have one laptop dedicated to Zoom and any other background tasks we want to do, and then one dedicated purely to music now. Um, So that's pretty cool for us. Yeah. And, you know, again, I think... Uh, they've improved the Bluetooth capability. It's now Bluetooth stereo, so any phone calls we get in will be much better. So, yeah, I, all, overall, mm. I think it's going to be a much better box, but I just can't use it right now. Can't use it right now. You've got to wait. Got to wait until June the 12th, is it? That's, uh, yes, it is. That's, that's when you're going to be able to use it. Yeah, well, it looks uh, very exciting, so it'll be uh, interesting to hear what you think of it in uh in a couple of weeks time moving on now james the tech stuff yes adam tweeted uh there are now 58 apps and services using podcasting 2.0 
Uh, and he's even given a little link to it, which I'll put in the show notes. Yes, have a look at newpodcastingapps.com. Uh, newpodcastapps.com is, I think, the, the actual thing. Uh, but yes, um, uh, it's, it's interesting seeing how Podcasting 2.0 is uh, growing. There's been less uh, excitement, I think, and shouting about Podcasting 2.0 in recent months. But that's because I think people have just been getting their head down and um, implementing some of these new uh, tools. So good to see that uh, happening as well. What else is going on in the tech stuff? Well, Podverse has enabled uh, searchable transcripts. So you can actually search through a show to find out when something is being talked about, which is very cool. Uh, There are a couple of new apps out there. One of them is called Snipods. Snipods. Um, it's been launched for both iOS and Android and lets you sh- save and share snippets of interesting parts of the podcast you listen to, much like uh, virtually every other podcast app out there. But still, it's nice to see uh, a new one. Um, and uh, Transistor has also launched a thing called Transistor Websites, which is a way for you to get beautiful podcast websites for free, um, which uh, is nice. Again, there is a bunch of people doing that. Um, but uh, nice to see Justin and the team uh, doing that uh, tool uh, uh, too. And um, finally, Sounder has uh, released a new import tool, which will help podcasters move uh, to the platform, which is uh, a nice thing. So congratulations to uh, Sounder as well. Uh, Castmatic's done something quite fun in terms of sats, haven't they, as well, uh, Sam? Yeah, they could now convert sats to dollar amounts to help you understand how much you're sending to your favourite podcaster. Uh, maybe it'll s- help people not look so miserly. 10,000 sats is about three US dollars, in case you're wondering. So, you know, those people that send 100 sats or just one sat, I think you can increase your little <laughs> donation if you want to. Well, talking about sats, you know what it's time for. Booster, booster, boostergram. Boostergram. Boostergram corner. You can't get more top 40 than that. Yes, it's time for Boostergram Corner. And uh, we haven't had too many Boostergrams recently because we've not been talking about it recently. So we should probably fix that by saying if you are a fan of the show and you would like to um, uh, show us uh, a little bit of the value that you get from the show, then send us some value back uh, by holding down the boost button in your podcast app. What's that you say? You don't have a boost button? Well, you need to go to newpodcastapps.com and find one. Uh, I would recommend fountain which is uh, pretty cool uh, dave jones has sent us um, a number of different uh, boostergrams one of them saying uh, loved being on the show that's pretty clever isn't it he's, he's actually sent us a boostergram in the actual <laughs> show that he's in loved being on the show i didn't even hammer sam about his lack of an umbral i'm a sporting fellow after all he says how's that umbral going for you it's another brick yeah just another brick. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah you want to fix that. It's a Pink Floyd. You want to fix that. Uh, and the other thing that Dave uh, said, and thank you for the uh, sats, Dave, one, uh, uh, 12,102 sats, can't even read numbers at the moment, uh, but there we are. Uh, and he points out, I don't see how Apple can release an Android version of the Apple Podcasts app given the 30% they'd have to pay Google for any subscriptions they sell on the platform. Just seems like a no-go. It's a really good point that I'd not thought about. Yes, absolutely. If Apple Podcasts wish to sell anything on the Google platform, um, then uh, yes, they would end up having to pay 30% uh, to Google. So uh, maybe that is a very good reason why we'll never see an Apple Podcast. I mean, they're not stupid, so I'm sure they're going to launch one anyway. (laughs) 
<laughs> but uh, yeah, oh, that's a really interesting. You can hear thought. the sadness in your voice, James. That's a really interesting. You can thought. hear the sadness in your voice. Uh, thank you, Dave Jones, and thank you for sending us those uh, boosts. Uh, and uh, please do uh, feel free to hit that boost button and uh, send us some messages. There are some good events coming up, aren't there, Sam? Yeah. So uh, podcast movement in Dallas, August twenty third. I know you're going, James. Um, is coming up. I know that Adam Curry and Dave Jones will be there as well, amongst many others. Oh, how fantastic. Well, I'm looking forward to meeting them both because I've not met either of them in real life. Uh, yes, I booked my tickets uh, only the uh, only yesterday, in fact. Uh, so, uh, yeah, very much looking forward to going to uh, Dallas. Been there once before, took a look at the grassy knoll um, <laughs> because I had, I had half a day spare. So took a look at the grassy knoll. That was nice. Uh, and that was basically it. Um, so I'm looking forward to looking at a little bit more. I'm also delighted to discover that it's in downtown Dallas. So um, there's none of this sort of Orlando, Florida, you're in a hotel in the middle of nowhere and you have to catch an Uber to go anywhere. No, you're right in the middle of downtown. So very much looking forward to that. That should be good. Uh, and just announced has been the Sounds Profitable Business Leaders Summit in collaboration with Podcast Movement. It's on the Tuesday, which is the day before Podcast Movement really starts um, in uh, Dallas. Um, And uh, I would say I'm looking forward to going there. Uh, They've actually specifically said no press. (laughs) Uh, so um, I have suggested to Brian that I don't go <laughs> because that'll look a bit weird if I turn up when they've um, promoted no press. But anyway, um, that's what's going on there. But that should be a really interesting first event from Nat, from Sounds Profitable. So looking forward to uh, that. Uh, other things going on, aren't there, Sam? Uh, there's uh, something in London? Yeah, Pinterest has announced uh, as lead partner, again, we've, we've talked about that before, for International Women's Podcast Festival in London, which is on Saturday, June the 18th. It's announced some high-profile speakers. Uh, and one of the, the headline show will be uh, the event. So the headline show show at the event will be uh, Beyond the Self, hosted by Africa Brook, uh, and she'll be speaking with Blair Imani. So that should be very good. Yes, it should be worthwhile going to. There's um, uh, coupons in our show notes and I was going to say in our show notes and our newsletter. You can tell how tired I am, can't I? <laughs> can't you? In our show notes and our newsletter. No, we don't do a newsletter in our show notes uh, if you want to save uh, money for going uh, for that. Uh, and uh, one more thing for you to put in your diary for next year, the 24th and the 25th of May. That will be when the podcast show 2023 will be held. Uh, it'll be in the same rather beautiful location in Islington. Uh, worthwhile popping uh, into. Um, I would definitely make it uh, your uh, your business to go there. Uh, it was a fantastic event this year, uh, and I'm sure it'll be even bigger and better uh, next year. So the podcast show 2023, 24th to the 25th of May 2023. Uh, you'll also find in the show notes um, a piece from uh, production company Listen on what their team learnt from the podcast show in London, and also Nick Hilton, who wrote up his day at the podcast show nick turns out he's a really nice uh, 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 chap um he always writes a little bit sort of negatively and depressively um but uh, in person what a fantastic nice man so uh, yes it was really good to meet uh, uh, nick at the podcast show last um uh, last week 
Yeah, I was talking to Harry Duran uh, about he wasn't there. Uh, he was over at Podcast Movement over in the States. Yeah, Podfest. Sorry, he was at Podfest. You're right. Um, but I hear from what Harry tells me, they're going to move the date of that so it doesn't clash next year with the podcast show. Oh, that's fantastic news. That's even better. Uh, and, that's, uh, and I'm pleased that they have uh, uh, done that, if that's true, because... Uh, yeah, I think it would really benefit uh, many of the larger companies who uh, go to PodFest to uh, also go to the podcast show in London as well. It's a growing uh, area of uh, podcasting and would be well well worth their while. Uh, so what's been happening for you in uh, Podland uh, this week then, Sam? Well, uh, I, like you, I, you met Nick Hilton. I was very pleased to meet um, the guys from Spooler FM, James O'Boggs and Andy. Um, and they kindly mm. have given me access to the beta, which I'm busily working on. So um, I'm putting together a daily news podcast not to compete with you james don't worry um this is to cover <laughs> news across the thames valley uh, where i live and that'll be presumably from your radio station yeah yeah i mean and again yes. i just i just want to launching do a whole brand new brand eh? <laughs> no james no i think i do enough already um no i just wanted to try it and, and play with it and see how it worked best way of learning anything is to get your hands on it um so that's what i'm going to be doing and uh, yeah i'll check with the guys if they will allow me to talk about my experience with it as yeah. well Oh, well, that sounds like a very good uh, plan. And uh, Spooler FM uh, does seem uh, a very good uh, system. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how you get on with that. So, James, what's been happening for you? Uh, mostly uh, long flights. And I've got another long flight next week because I'm going to Canadian Music Week, uh, which is a big conference, uh, mostly musicians, but also a bit of radio in there. Uh, and that's in uh, Toronto. Uh, so I'm uh, heading out to Toronto on uh, Sunday. Um, and quite looking forward to it. Actually, I haven't been to Canada for a number of years. I was just busy doing all of the, um, you, you know, the electronic um, uh, visas and everything else that you have to do for uh, Canada. But uh, looking forward to going back to uh, Canada again and seeing a lot of my friends there. Uh, so that should be fun. That's happening next week. Um, uh, I, as I left the Shaw booth last week after we'd finished recording uh, this very podcast, um, they took me aside and they gave me this little this oh. little uh, thing, which I'm showing uh, Sam, which is a Shaw MV88 Plus, which is a tiny little handheld uh, microphone uh, that will be my new uh, microphone for recording when I'm overseas. So um, because it fits into my uh, into my backpack even better. Um, so quite looking forward to that. I'm glad you said it was a tiny microphone. I just thought you'd got really big hands in. <laughs> so, so looking forward to that. It's, it's actually quite similar in many ways to the MV7 in that it um, yeah, works with the same app on the computer. So you can basically set it to record in stereo or to record in mono. Uh, you can set its compression level. You can set all kinds of, uh, all kinds of things. Um, so from that point of view, uh, it looks like a pretty good microphone. So if you're listening to the Pod News podcast next week, then you will hear uh, bits of that 
uh, from there. And uh, who knows, because I've yet to work out quite when I'll be recording Podland next week. Who knows, it might be on that microphone too. Um, and that's it for this week. If you like Podland, tell others to visit. Tell your friends on Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook or wherever. You can also email the show at comments at podland.news and you'll also find all our previous shows and interviews at podland.news. If you want daily news, you should get Pod News. The newsletter's free at podnews.net. The podcast can be found in your podcast app and all the stories we've discussed on Podland today are in the show notes for this very podcast. We use chapters and transcripts too. Our music is from Ignite Jingles and we're hosted and sponsored by our good friends Buzzsprout and Squadcast. Keep listening. And now here's the second part of our interview with the Pod Sage himself from the Podcast Index. Here's Dave Jones. So Dave, moving on, what's missing? What's the missing piece of the jigsaw, do you think? Are we getting closer to it becoming universally easy to create podcasts, distribute podcasts and monetize them? We are, I think, definitely. The thing I think about when you ask that question is the age-old thing of uh, because you can, does that mean you should? So there is a little bit of natural fencing that happens when a thing is a little bit difficult. The easier and easier you make a thing, which is clearly a good thing to do, has some negative, has some downside. We see that with all the social networks. We've This is a, an experience that humanity has lived through for the last you know, 15 years with social media. When you make a thing super easy, it tends to descend into something we maybe didn't want. So from the standpoint of podcasting, look what we saw last week. We saw all these spam accounts for escorts and call girls and all this kind of stuff that had to be dealt with. The easier this stuff becomes, we have to deal with the natural consequences of the things that happen. But I think in general, there's a last sort of a last, last ditch a hurdle that people have to get over, which is the difficulty of actually recording good content. And that is something that's it's hard to do. We all know it as podcasters. It's not an easy thing to go and just create good content. And so because it's hard, that is a line of defense where you can say, okay, let's make all the tech easier. Let's make all this like the stuff we were talking about earlier, recording an MP3 and having an audio device and all that stuff, all that stuff is so much easier than it used to be. Now it's just a matter of, do you have good content? And I want the payment side of things to get there as well. And the podcast infrastructure side of things to get there. I want those things to catch up. But like we talked about on our show quite a bit that there's two different podcast industries. There is not a podcast industry. You have the ad-supported podcast industry, which is well-defined at this point with CPMs and ad rates and listener counts and download numbers. And then you have the sort of hobbyist podcast industry. And the hobbyist podcast industry is every bit, if not bigger, than the ad-supported podcast industry. So because this is not a single coherent thing, you have these two things uh, together there's like a if you imagine like a venn diagram there's a little bit of overlap in the middle but most of podcasting from the infrastructure side of things has always been for the last seven or eight years at least has been really highly targeted at the ad supported side of things and from the podcast index side we're not anti-advertising but we want to focus on the overall infrastructure of podcasting that's what the namespace is about Uh, we want this sort of 
rising tide to lift all ships so that everybody gets the benefit so that Jane Doe in her study can fire up a podcast and go live for 75 of her listeners in a very niche specialty podcast and receive boosts and payment, micropayments and that kind of thing. And maybe she earns a couple hundred, three hundred dollars a month off her podcast from a few dedicated listeners, but she has all of the benefits of decentralized infrastructure that podcasting can offer and that those things aren't just reserved for the mega shows or the ones that have done a good job of surviving in the ad supported model. Cause there are good quality shows out there that just will never be able to make money in the ad supported model. They just can't because their content is not broad enough to really survive that way. But it doesn't mean it's bad content. It's excellent. But it just can't it just can't survive that way. So there has to be alternatives and that's what we're trying to do. So I suppose the elephant in the room is this. Mm-hmm. Apple and Spotify dominate listener market in terms of where most people are unfortunately. Now will you or do you ever see them coming around to adopting the namespace, the extensions that you've created. So, for example, Apple already has a person uh, function. I wouldn't call it a tag. Mm. It's proprietary within the Apple podcast system. Could you see them converting that to the person tag? Could you see them supporting transcript? I think that's a yes to both of those for two different reasons. I think Apple and Spotify both will eventually adopt the podcast namespace and the protocols that we're developing. And we're in this for the long haul. Ten years from now, I'm still going to be building this stuff. And I think on this long time horizon, they will. On Apple's side of things, I think their uh, motivations are clearly always different because they're not an ad-first revenue company. And so on their side of things, I think they uh, will ultimately adopt these protocols because they're good protocols and they make Apple's life easier and they will make their products better. And why everybody has adopted, all the people who have adopted, and there's 58 different apps and platforms now that uh, support some of the podcasting 2.0 features, all of those adoptions happened because it solved a problem for them in some shape, form, or fashion. And I think Apple would do the same thing. On the Spotify side of things, I think their struggle is going to be, Adam has this famous phrase that he uses, He says, you can't monetize the network. And that is just this idea that you cannot extrapolate value from the infrastructure of a thing in a way that's meaningful. I think we're already seeing that. This long tail of podcasting requires a level of brand safety that programmatic advertising can't address. Those are always going to be, at best, uneasy bedfellows. At worst, they're going to be butting heads all the time. Look at what happened with the Wild Turkey stuff last week. The sponsored Podland. Amazing. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, exactly. They sponsored a whole lot of things they didn't realize. Oh. So, yeah. That's the issue is that in order to monetize that long tail, those small shows, you have to use programmatic. There's no other way to do it in a way that generates the revenue that a company that size needs. And we're talking in the billions. And so because of that, you're just going to have to live with it. And you're going to have brand safety violations that happen towards the podcaster where the podcaster says, oh, my God, I can't believe you put this ad on my show. And then also against the advertiser where it says, oh, my God, I can't believe you placed this ad on that person's show. And the thing is a real problem. And so I think that 
adopting micropayments and these cost-reducing things like pod paying, I think that those things will be adopted by Spotify eventually because they'll have to do it. Uh, I don't think it'll be a, it'll be a choice because you're going to look out there and say, okay, here are all the major hosting providers and platforms. They're all supporting the namespace in some way or another. They're all supporting pod ping. And let's just envision three or five years from now. Like, what do we do in here? This doesn't make any sense. So I think they will. And I think it'll ultimately be for two different reasons. Yeah, I was in the browser wars and IE7 is now Chrome, fundamentally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It happens. It takes time, but they eventually crack. I think there are other solutions, but I agree with you. I think for me, Kevin Kelly wrote in his book, The Inevitable, find your 1,000 true fans, charge them £10 a month, and there you've got a great business. And in mm. the same way with podcasting, find your listener base, find your tribe, and then use Satoshi's as a micro payment system to get the value back from them. Okay, last question for you, Dave. YouTube appears to be getting into podcasting. In fact, I had a very embarrassing encounter at the London Podcast Show. I went up to the YouTube stand, should have read the person's business badge rather than just talk to them. I just (laughs) said to this person, thinking they were just a local YouTube stand person. Kai in uh, Podcast Movement said that he was going to do some podcasting announcement but you never did and you haven't done any here so when are you going to do it and then i looked down and it was calm <laughs> so, hey jerk what's going on with spotify yeah it's oh okay let's backtrack <laughs> out of this one as fast as i can without looking like an idiot yeah. um so they haven't made the announcement yet i think james believes dallas may be where they make the announcement it seems that it's coming so what do you make of YouTube getting into the game? I try not to be the perpetual uh, contrarian because people get tired of that, and I don't want to be that way. But I don't know how many times that we have to keep putting our excitement eggs in these big company baskets over and over. It's been Facebook. It's been Amazon. It's been Spotify. It's been Apple. We've seen this before where a big media tech company wants to get into podcasting because you can use it to eke out another, you know, couple hundred million of revenue in a quarter and have something to talk about for half a minute on a on a quarterly earnings call and i really think that's all it is to them in the grand scheme of things i know there's a little bit of what do you call it controversy about whether or not these numbers are accurate but let's just go ahead and say podcasting is a billion dollar industry on advertising that's nothing apple makes a billion dollars an hour podcasting is a joke compared to so I'm just not sure. That makes me think that when they get into it, it's not maybe going to be in a serious way. It'll be just like, hey, throw some engineers at this for a while and let's come up with something that works and then we'll not touch it again for five years. That seems to be the Google way. And YouTube has inherited a lot of those Google tendencies. I don't know. We'll see what it looks like. I hope I'm wrong. YouTube They've been great for video. You can't deny that. They've got a great search algorithm. But podcasting is just such a different beast, and so many other companies have tried and then bailed out before. Facebook. Yeah, I just can't get excited about it, honestly. I can't. Yeah. Okay, and I promise this is the last question. What other extensions are you working on? We're hot and heavy on the live item tag right now. Another one that we're uh, trying to hammer out is the block tag. There's a real issue with usage of the iTunes block tag. There's a big disconnect between what what hosting companies think it means and what everybody else thinks it means. <laughs> because in the documentation 
for the iTunes blog tag, it says this is to signal that this feed should not be ingested into Apple's directory. Now, of course, they're going to word it that way because the iTunes namespace is is Apple-specific or was meant to be. But because it's the only thing that's been available, the iTunes block tag has been adopted by feed-producing platforms as a universal block tag, which says, if I put iTunes block in here, you can't index my feed at all. That doesn't match the documentation, but it also leaves you with a sort of ham-fisted approach where you say, what if I want, and this is a real scenario, happens every day, what if I want my podcast to be available in Amazon and Google and Overcast and Podverse, but I don't want it to be available on Spotify? I can't do that with a block tag. The block tag is either all or nothing, the way it's intended to be used by hosting platforms. So there's no way to say, I want it to be blocked everywhere, but let's say Apple. I want it only to be there. So it's a very clumsy, ham-fisted approach. So what we're trying to do is develop a, a block tag that is granular, where you can say, okay, I want it blocked everywhere except these platforms. Or conversely, I want it to be blocked nowhere except these platforms. It's a tricky one to get right because we want it to be perfectly backwards compatible with the iTunes block tag so that nobody has to make a bunch of dev change, code changes, but also be not overly complicated. I think there's that one and a few more. Yeah, one of the other discussions was about replacing some of the iTunes tags as well at some point. Mm. Is that still an ongoing discussion? It's always in the background of our discussions because you see this with a lot of namespaces tend to get a lot of development work quickly and then they just die. And there is no more governing guiding body behind them. So, for instance, the old Yahoo Media RSS namespace, some of that stuff is still in use. But if you wanted to say, hey, I think we should update this tag and modernize it a bit and add a couple of new attributes... Who do you go to to ask for that thing to happen? There's no body in charge of that thing anymore. We've already done it with a few. We've had the uh, season tag and the episode tag. We've done a few direct replacements for the iTunes tags. And hopefully within the next few years, we'll get to a point where we'll have compatibility between the two in a way we're trying never to break them as we go. So that at some point in the future, it would be an easy transition from the iTunes namespace where it's controlled by one huge company that nobody seems to have access to a purely open namespace where the people are easy to get in touch with and highly responsive and you can just come by and talk and we all hash out a solution to a problem. So I I think we're always trying to do that, yeah. This reminds me so much of the browser wars uh, or the HTML war. So you had Microsoft producing things like ActiveX and other extensions, and you had Netscape producing. Then you had HTML3 and 3.1 and 3.2, and then browsers supporting different versions. XHTML, do you remember XHTML? Yeah, (laughs) and all eventually was resolved by being put into the W3C, uh, and it all calmed down a bit. Do you actually ever see that happening where Apple and yourselves and other parties go, you know what, okay, we're going to all stick this into one big pot, run by 
or administered by a third party. And Yeah, I, I could see it. We've actively avoided calling ourselves any kind of standards body or group, working group or anything like that, because anytime you say that, it means you have to have meetings. And we all hate meetings. But the other side of our approach to things is we're extremely open. All you got to do is send me an email or join the Mastodon group or tweet at us. And I mean, we always respond. And so Apple, Spotify, anybody that wants to come by, we've talked. We've actually talked to quite a few large companies in the past. And so any of those companies want to come by and do a joint thing or get involved it's all great. Come on. We may give the big guys a hard time on our show, but we all have to live together in this ecosystem and make things better. So there's no animosity there. We always want to work with people. Dave, on that note, I'm going to say thank you so much for your time. Dave Jones, the pod sage, the guy behind Podcast Index, the tech stuff with Adam Curry. Thank you to you both so much for what you've done over the last couple of years and what you probably will do, as you said, going forward. Thanks, Sam. Appreciate it, man.